Good morning. Welcome to Lincoln Square Presbyterian Church. We gather here in the presence of Almighty God to come and to worship. So uh, welcome to all of us who are gathering in person and also welcome to those who are joining us online. We're thankful that God can unite us by his spirit as, as one body responding to the good news of Christ. And so as we begin our time, I just want to uh, direct your attention to the order of worship. You'll see on the inside cover there's information about uh, classes for children and youth and the nursery. And so uh, just take a look at those and I'll dismiss the kids shortly. Um, but a couple of other things just to highlight or announce that there is a congregational meeting online uh, this Wednesday, November 3rd. It's at 8 o'clock. Uh, you'll see some information in the back of your order where the announcements are. The, the link to join online or the phone number if you want to do it that way, it's all in the weekly email. But let me know. Let me know if you have questions or need help with that information or accessing it. But it will be a chance for us to see each other online, and uh, we'll talk about uh, Advent and what's ahead for the church. We'll talk about Sunday morning worship space and status of that, and then we'll also talk about a financial update for the church as well. So if you are able, please join us on Wednesday at 8 o'clock. Everyone is invited to be part of that. Also, just a reminder that after church, there'll be a time of fellowship. There'll be coffee and other things, other treats uh, over by the parking lot, as we've done in the past. So... Hope you can stay after and have a chance to see each other and talk and meet one another, catch up. Um, yeah, so those are the things to highlight. And uh, at this time, we have uh, three classes this morning. We have uh, a preschool class, children's worship, and the third through fifth grade class. So uh, the kids that are going to go to those classes, they can be dismissed now. Uh, the, they, the younger classes can go to Melinda in the back. The third through fifth can go over to my left or the entrance into the sanctuary. before our call to worship, I'm really thankful to have a chance to, to invite Will and Katie Lowry to come forward. Many of you know Will and Katie. They are missionaries that our church has had the privilege of supporting, and they're going to share an update on their work, and we'll have a chance to pray for them as well. So thank you. Good morning. It's great to be with you all. Uh, we were sent out from LSPC in 2018 um, and spent a year serving with church planting and strengthening in Birmingham, UK. We're really excited to be able to be invited to return long-term. And so one of the steps of our process in heading back um, for five or more years was to attend um, some cultural training. And so we just spent a month in North Carolina, um, drove up yesterday, and uh, yeah, are excited to be here with you. Um, one of the, the huge blessings is LSPC was able to be part of, um, of funding our time in training. Um, Birmingham has 187 nationalities represented, so it's increasingly becoming just more and more um, important that we're aware of the culture that we're bringing in and that we're able to, to engage well. Um, so thank you for that. And so we're currently in the fundraising and kind of support development portion of um, going out to be missionaries. Um, but our, our plan, our hope, is that we'll be able to be back in Birmingham, England uh, in the beginning of this next year, so sometime in January. And while we're there, what we're uh, going to be doing is we'll be partnered with a local church, the same one which we had known back in 2018 and that we had been with, working on helping to develop and strengthen them to be able to continue church planting efforts throughout the city. Right now, the city is about... 1% evangelical Christians is what they believe, and so our hope is to be able to continue church planting efforts, being able to raise up members in the church to go out into various areas of the city. Uh, and we're particularly excited about figuring out what it looks like to have churches planted in the Muslim majority portions of the city. Um, and so that's something we're currently working on figuring out, figuring out how we can train the current body of believers that is in the city to be able to better reach um, those who, who really need Christ in, in so many different ways. Um, but we're, we're, yeah, I think Katie might have said this, but we're, we're just excited to be able to come and, and share a little bit with you guys, be able to see uh, some of your faces again. Um, and one of the things we're really excited for is just knowing as we go around to different churches and, and just kind of introduce ourselves a little bit, 
that means the next time that you look at a map um, and, and see the United Kingdom or see England, uh, you might be reminded to pray not only for us, but to pray for the city of Birmingham. Um, and so we, we would really uh, value those prayers. We, we have some prayer cards out on the table where the communion elements were. Um, and so if you didn't grab one, please grab one on your way out, put it on your fridge or somewhere um, that you can be reminded to, uh, to pray for us, to pray for, for our city. Um, and also, we would love to just be able to share more personally um, about the things that we're planning to do and uh, to get hear more of your story if we don't already know you or to catch up if we do know you some, from previously. Uh, so thanks for having us. Let's, uh, let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks uh, for Will and Katie and for Judah and Azalea, and we thank you for them as a family. We thank you for the connections that we've had in the past and, and the way that we've been able to share life and the gospel. And so we just pray for a blessing upon them as a family. And we thank you for the call that you have in their life and the way that you've put in their hearts a love for your church, a love for the people of England, especially Birmingham. And we pray that you would have that love overflow, that they may be a family that shows hospitality and love and welcome, and also to, to share the good news of Christ, um, both through their words and actions. We pray that they would be uh, encouraged as they go through this process of raising funds and preparing. We pray that they would be able to go soon into the mission field, and that you would protect them and guide them and let them be effective as they represent you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for sharing. I encourage you after church during the fellowship time to have a chance to talk with Will and Katie more about their work. Let's take a moment now of quiet as we prepare to join in the call to worship. Good morning. Our call to worship is from Psalm 33. Will you stand with us and we'll sing it together. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Make melody to him with the harp of ten strings. For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deep in storehouses. Behold, the eyes of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you.
Would you please join me in prayer? Eternal, steadfast God, all the nations of the world worship you for your great glory. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You are gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in mercy and love. You rescue and redeem us from the power of sin, and you clothe us in your righteousness, love, and goodness. You are always ready and willing to forgive us as your children, even when we sin against you. Lord God, your posture, your disposition towards us, your loving gaze is to see our good. But often we distrust you and your goodness. We find ourselves hiding. We find ourselves running away. Lord, we come filled with questions. We come filled with doubts about you, your church, your people, even ourselves. Lord God, we ask that you would meet us here today, that you would draw near to us by your spirit, and that you would build us up in love. Lord, rather than seeking to live on the scarcity of this world, we seek to live in the abundance of your loving presence. Lord God, fill us, give us boldness to rest in your grace and goodness. Gracious Father, we pray for your holy universal church. Fill it with all truth and peace. When it is corrupt, purify it. When it is in error, direct it. When it falls short to love you and our neighbor, reform it. Where it is right, strengthen it. Where it is in need, provide for it. Where it is divided, reunite it. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue to worship our God, he is gracious, he is loving, he is an abundant God, and he invites us to bring before him our burdens, our questions, our doubts, and even those places in our lives that are hard to bring before him, that if we were to speak about them, it would be terrifying, and yet he graciously receives us. So we will first do this with public confession through prayer and singing, and then a private confession. Would you please join me in prayer? Almighty God, you have risen Jesus from death to life and crowned him Lord of all. Even while we confess your only Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as the true word which offers us peace and rest. We often live as though we do not trust him. Gracious Father, show us where there is inconsistency between our confession and practice. Remind us that you have rescued us by the work of Jesus, that we are precious to you, and that nothing, including our doubts and sin, can separate us from your love. Amen.
continue to pray with a moment of quiet personal confession. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you thanks for the precious blood of Christ that offers us these healing streams that washes away our guilt, meets us in our shame, and restores our brokenness. We thank you in his holy name, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Would you please stand with me and we'll hear these words of assurance that come from the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a responsive assurance, so please join me in this. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? I believe that God, because of Christ's satisfaction, will no more remember my sins, nor my sinful nature, against which I have to struggle all my life, and will be gracious grant me the righteousness of Christ, that I may never come into condemnation. Amen. Please be seated. The Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah chapter 66 verses 10 through 14. Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice with her in joy, all you who mourn over her, that you may nurse and be satisfied from her consoling breast, that you may drink deeply with delight from her glorious abundance. For thus says the Lord, behold, I will extend peace to her like a river and the glory of the nations like an ever overflowing stream and you shall nurse you shall be carried upon her hip and bounced upon her knees as one whom his mother comforts so I will comfort you you shall be comforted in Jerusalem you shall see and your heart shall rejoice your bones shall flourish like grass and the hand of the Lord shall be known to his servants and he shall show his indignation against his enemies
The New Testament lesson is from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 37 through 34. Now when they, that is, those gathered in Jerusalem at Pentecost, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God, our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, the proceeds, to all as any had need. And day by day, attending temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Susan, for reading the scriptures. It's good to be here and worship together. We're going to continue our series of looking at the Gospel of John, chapters 13 through 17. And we are going to be looking at the end of chapter 16. And one of the things that I've, I've highlighted, but just to remind you that there is a kind of a, one of the patterns that runs through these chapters, is that first Jesus will say something about you know, who he is or what he's accomplished or the work that he is doing or has done. And then after saying that, there is the expectation or the teaching that we would live in light of it, that we would respond to live in light of the work that he has accomplished. And so we see that pattern again in our passage that I'm about to read, in which Jesus explains to his disciples about his victory, saying that I have overcome, I have overcome the world. And in light of this, he calls his disciples, even in the face of their sorrow and fear, to take heart, to be courageous. So let's look at our passage. This is John 16, verse 21 through 33. You can follow in your order, your Bible, or, or just listen as I read. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. And that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father." His disciples said, Oh, now you're speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. 
yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is God's word given for our good. Well, as I mentioned, there is a pattern here of of Jesus speaking of his victory, of him overcoming, and then our response. And so our sermon, I want us to have two parts as we reflect on our passage, the first being looking at Jesus' victory or his overcoming, and the second to consider our courage, our taking heart. So let's start with Jesus. He, he opens with an image. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that her child has been born into the world. Now, there are different birth experiences and different recoveries from labor, and Jesus isn't denying the differences that people experience, but rather he's giving us a general image to have in mind, a mother's delight in her newborn child, delight that followed after labor pains, sorrow and anguish changing to joy. And after giving this image, Jesus connects it to his disciples that are gathered around him. So you also will have sorrow now. But I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus has been telling them this over and over again. You are about to be plunged into sharp, sharp difficulty. Intense pain. He uses the term, you know, image anguish. I'll be arrested, I'll be taken away, I'll be killed. And he adds, you will be scattered, each to his own home, alone, and you'll leave me. But that will pass, and I will rise, I will see you again. And he says, your hearts will rejoice with a joy that no one can take from you. He's saying in his suffering, in his death, he's accomplishing something. He's accomplishing something, securing an unchanging joy. And maybe as a way, let's pull back for a moment and see this big picture that Jesus is inviting his disciples in the church to reflect on. Our faith affirms that God created this world, everything we see, and he created it good. But our faith also affirms that through humanity doubting God's goodness and seeking our own, you know, to be our own gods, this good creation fell and it was marred. We know this from looking around the world, but we know it in our own hearts. In this place that was meant for connection and abundance and life now became deeply marked and twisted as a place of separation, of scarcity, of thorns and thistles and of death. And in that backdrop, in that kind of story, Jesus says, I have entered into this place. I don't know if you saw a note in the opening of the order of worship, but this date back in 1517 was when Martin Luther put his 95 objections or reasons on the door in Wittenberg. In many ways, what that began or what that was around was a reminder that God has loved us first. And when God responded to the fallenness of the world, it wasn't because you or I or anyone else provoked him because of our goodness, but from grace to grace, he entered in. And we see that in the person of Jesus. Jesus saying, in that situation, the one who by whom and for whom all things were made took on flesh, entered into the fallen creation because of his love for us. He entered into the separation, into the isolation and suffering and death to plant new life, to bring forth something new. And that goes back to this opening image of the mother going through labor, but having the joy of a newborn child. In his suffering, in his death and resurrection, something new is being born. God is bringing forth a new world out of the womb of the old. That's what Jesus wants us to see in his actions. He is bearing human sin, 
bearing betrayal and violence and corruption, bearing rejection and separation and death. He takes it all upon himself. But this is not the final word. He is crushed by the world, but he rises again to show that he is greater, that there is another force, another word that is present, that the light is greater than the darkness, and that God's love and enter into this fallen world will bring new life. Jesus invites us and the disciples to reflect on this, telling us that these actions of his are bringing forth a new creation. But we shouldn't just think about them as these broad, universal actions. They are that. They change the world. But they're also personal. C.S. Lewis, when reflecting on the gospel and on joy in particular, Lewis writes, God became man to turn creatures into sons and daughters, not simply to produce better people. God became a human being to bring forth sons and daughters. You see, Jesus, we go through our passage, it's complex and mysterious, but he's using personal language. At the heart of this new creation, Jesus' statement is plain. The Father himself loves you. Do you see that's what he says to disciples, explaining ultimately what's going on. The Father himself loves you. Therefore, something new is being brought forth. You are being brought forth as a son and daughter who will know God, the one who knows you. These are words of connection that you are, were at one time on your own. But in my death, Jesus is saying, in my death, I took your sin, your mistreatment, your death upon myself, that these things can no longer claim you. In Christ, we can have abiding joy even in the midst of great difficulties because he has secured something that cannot be changed, the new creation of a God adopting us as his sons and daughters, the new creation of his spirit within us. And he's wanting us to see that no power in this world, no words or actions by anyone can separate this union that has been established. And this is our joy. This is our joy that we are reminded of to hold on to. And it it happens even in the midst of trouble and sorrow and anguish. So Jesus says, in the midst of these things, not only do you have this joy, but you need to have courage. You need to take heart to hold on to this victory or to know and live in light of the victory that he's given us. So not only does our passage speak of his victory, it speaks of courage As a way to think about Jesus inviting us to this, I thought about the book of Daniel. Tell a story from that. Maybe some of you know Daniel is one of those kind of popular Old Testament, has some good stories. Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. But it's interesting to think of those stories in the context of the question that was going on. How do you handle your fears? Or maybe what stories do you hold on to? You see, Daniel tells us about King Nebuchadnezzar, one of the great names in the Bible. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has captured the people of Judah. In particular, he's captured and gathered elite Jewish youth, right? The attractive, the smart, the capable. He selects these youth to use them, to use them to show how success follows all those who identify with Babylon. Who buy into its story. These select youth are educated for three years in the literature and language of their captors, given the food of the empire, and given new names. We know at least four of these captive youth that resisted. They refused the king's food. They refused to bow down to the Babylonian gods. They continue to pray to the God of Israel, not to the king, even when such actions resulted in being thrown into prison with lions. See, the story of Babylon was a powerful story. 
if you become like us, if you're with us, if you learn our language, embrace our ways, take our name, you will have success. And your fears can be let go of because you'll be someone and be secure. It was especially compelling during times of uncertainty and fear. I assume, like me, you know that fear is part of living in this world and that it can overwhelm us at times. And then in our fears, we are often maybe awakened or give ear that we too are part of an earthly kingdom that has a powerful story. It invites us to its food, its ways, its names, with the promise that if you and I identify, identify with it, we will be successful. We can leave our fears behind because we will be winners. We'll have more, we'll get what we want, we'll have the right credentials, we'll be in the right spot. We won't have to be uncomfortable or suffer. And I want to suggest to you in Daniel that the story is not just that these youth resisted, you know, followed God's commands, they did that, but they ultimately remembered who they belonged to and the story that was true. And in our fears, Jesus invites us to join and remember his story. Take heart, I have overcome the world. That is the gospel. Take heart, be courageous, because I have overcome the world. Jesus did not live by the story of our empire, of looking out for yourself, of isolating yourself from the weak, or securing titles, accumulating wealth, chasing pleasure, learning how to control people. He lived by a different story. One in the Gospel of Matthew that he summarized by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who are humble and know of their need, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' story, the one that we're invited to hold on to, is most clearly displayed in the cross. The strong giving himself for the weak, the rich for the poor, the righteous for the sinner. All that could, God could make the unrighteous his sons and daughters. Take heart. Be encouraged. Courageous does not mean that we do not have fear, but it means that we stand on the ground that Jesus has secured. That we seek even to live in love and service in light of Jesus' story, not the one of the world around us. So let us remember Christ, his promise that he has brought forth peace and joy in his victory over the world. And I pray that we may find courage and heart in the midst of it. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are, and we thank you for your good word. We ask that you would minister to us by your spirit, that we would not find our rest in ourselves or our resources, but in you, Christ. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand with us? We'll sing together.
Almighty God, you alone can bring peace into the ever-changing wills and affections of sinners. Grant us peace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the constant changes of the world, our hearts may be fixed on you, where true joy may be found. We praise you for your never-ending faithfulness as we join with your people on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Having heard God's word, we're now invited to the table that God sets for his people. And this is a sign that Christ gives us, a, a sign of his kingdom, of the story. Sinners brought into God's family, a seat at God's table, given the name son and daughter. And not just alone, but connected to brothers and sisters, brought together, united to one another in Christ. This is the good news of what Christ's death and resurrection accomplishes. So if you know of your sin, know of your need before God, and have faith in Christ as your hope, then this table is for you to eat and drink, to remember and rest in the good news that Christ has accomplished. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for this table. We pray that you set apart this bread and cup. And Lord, that you meet us here by your spirit to minister to us in our fears and our doubts in the midst of our tribulation and trouble. Thank you, Lord, that you are honest and acknowledge the difficulties of this life and this world. But thank you also for not leaving us, but granting peace and joy and hope. And we pray, Lord, by your spirit that you would grant those things to us this day. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this time we're participating in communion together through these prepackaged elements. So if you're participating in communion, I invite you to go ahead and prepare those. Does anyone need one? If you need one, you can raise your hand and Pastor Eric will bring one over to you. I invite you to go ahead and open those. Well, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread. He broke it, saying, this is my body, do, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. For as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. Christ's blood was shed to cover all of our sins. Let's drink in faith. In response to this table, I invite you to stand that we can pray together and sing. In this table, Christ offers his own crucified body and shed blood to his people, assuring them a share in his death and resurrection. By the Holy Spirit, he feeds us with his resurrection life and binds us to each other as we share one loaf and cup. We receive this food gladly, and we join together to proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will doxology and benediction just a reminder as we've received God's gracious gifts in Christ in this table I invite you that we respond in generosity through the giving of our gifts there's offering plates in the back or you can do so online through the church website so let's now respond by singing the doxology together praise God from whom all blessings Just a reminder, encourage you to say hello to Will and Katie and ask them about the work. And also there are prayer cards on the table that you can pick up as a way to remember the work they're doing. Receive now God's blessing. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, may the love of God surround you now and always. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, amen. May go in peace. <laughs>